point um, of personal privilege. Yes. It's a long story. Just make it short. This is Armstrong and Getty. Why are you here today? Yeah, he put he already put him in a hospital once last uh, month. I, I don't understand what you're saying. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Uh, I wouldn't comment on it other than to say that. Uh, All right, go, go. <laughs> Thank you for uh, for the information here. Well, who wouldn't want an opportunity to talk to Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty? This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Getty. I was just uh, riding up the elevator with a co-worker, and he was discussing how he's always afraid he's going to get stuck in an elevator. He's got kind of a fear of elevator really? thing going. Interesting. I said I dream of getting stuck in an elevator. I think it'd be awesome. Wow. Like about seven hours would be perfect. Take a nap. Get some stuff done on my phone. Exactly. Take another nap. Sorry, yeah. I'd like to come home. I'd like to go to work. I can't. I'm stuck in the elevator. Craft a couple of notes to old friends oh, you've been meaning to stay in touch with. God, can I line that up for today? Or I need to talk exactly. to a mechanic buddy and try to figure out what's, what do I need to snip or whatever so I get to stream a ball game. <laughs> Oh, it sounds awesome. We're just about to you. Uh, take your time. <laughs> no worry. It's the uh, bottom of the eighth, so give me like uh, half an hour. Live from Studio C. Seating your A dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. And hey, today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The ten giants of democracy gathering on a stage in Houston, Texas to determine the future of our great land. Wow, look at, I'm just looking up. They got it on the, the TV. All those people are still in? Oh, yeah. Amy Klobuchar's still in? Yeah, and Corey Useless, yes. Who's that down on the other end? Oh, Julian Castro's Julia still Castro. a candidate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, all these people. He's, he's a sharp fellow, Julian Castro, Julian. Uh, but he'll he'll soon be gone, but, you know, I get why he's still There's right. really only that three in the center that have any shot, according to most people. But anyway, who knows? You never know. It's crazy times. Things are different now. How about Pete Boot Edge Edge, they say? <laughs> you don't think so? Of course, you never, had, you never had three people at the top of this old before. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Well, 77, 77. Bernie and... turned 78 on Sunday. Okay. Which is uh, up there. Biden's 76, is that right? And Elizabeth like Warren's a, a youthful 70, so. The child. The yeah. child among them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and the, the debate is uh, 8 Eastern, 5 Central, or 5 Western, is that right? Two two hours long? That's plenty. Three, I heard. No, no. Yes. Don't tell me that. <laughs> All right. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> no, are you kidding? An hour and a half would be a punishment. I, I heard an, uh, it's three, three hours. Three hours? Is yeah, that right, Sean? That's true. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. They brought in Peter Jackson to direct Barbaric. it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to fix this. They almost had to go with Ken Burns. <laughs> Somebody needs to fix this. Yeah, well, good luck. I, you know, I, I, I realize you vowed to watch the whole thing. So on the East Coast, gets over at 11? Yeah. Oh. Well, there will be nobody watching, except those who woke up with a snort, realizing they'd fallen asleep <laughs> on the couch an hour and a half previous. Oh, my God, I got to get to bed. <laughs> Amy Klomacher is explaining her health care system. I Again. <laughs> Oh, boy, three hours plus analysis. Yeah. So, and, and listen, as, as if I haven't already, you know, No, seriously, three hours your is feelings. a bad idea. Plus, you got no Marianne Williamson for the wacky appeal. And, and, and with all due respect to her many qualities as a woman, 
as a uh, member of our service, as a congresswoman, uh, the eye candy's gone, too. Tulsi. The, uh, <laughs> the eye candy. The very, oh, very geez. attractive Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. I saw her on Tucky, Tucker Carlson last night, and she was wearing that white outfit on Tucker, and I think I thought, okay, you, uh, you were reading the internet the night you were on the, the debate stage. You've decided, okay, this seems to work for me. Well, yeah. When she was the most Googled person after the debate, she was hoping because of her policy and not because of that white outfit. <laughs> She's decided that's that's my thing. That's my key to success right here. And why not? And why not? You uh, got it. Flaunt it. Let's introduce everybody in the squad. We'll start over there with our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. Hi, this morning, Michael. Good. I'll make it real simple here. For tonight, I'm hoping for just a couple things. I want protesters to interrupt. I want a, a streaker, possibly a streaker to a go by. streaker. Something different, you know. And uh, maybe, like I've always said, I want, I want hand puppets. Nobody's used a hand puppet yet. I'm waiting for the day somebody uses a hand puppet. Say, this, well, is, this is the American uh, voter. <laughs> I don't have health care. Right. Well, I can get you health care, Jimmy. Well, thank you, Beto. Tell you what, if you're going to use one, use two. One on each side. Get a little dialogue going, a little drama, a little <laughs> slice of life. Make an argument. Honey, what are we going to do about our health care costs? <laughs> I don't know, dear. I sure wish Elizabeth Warren was president. <laughs> Me too. Come on. Get alive at the three hours. <laughs> oh, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Uh, there's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing a lot better than the USA men's national, international basketball team. National, international, those are two different things. Uh, the, the world stage of basketball, the Team USA took a loss uh, to France uh, yesterday early in the morning. Uh, France beat the U.S. 89-79, to knocking them out of contention for the gold medal game. Uh, this is not the Olympics. This is the FIBA World Cup. Uh, they did qualify for the upcoming Olympics, however, so rest easy on that. They'll be playing in the fourth-place game. Uh, France had a handful of NBA players on their roster as well, uh, behind Rudy Gobert, a.k.a. the Stifle Tower. Um, <laughs> Frank, that was just that's losing a, interest. That's a good okay. nickname. Go well, on. Th- they broke the streak. What was the streak of how many games? Uh, 58 games, I believe it was. Yeah, they uh, won I thought they lost to Australia the other day. No, they had a 58-game international winning streak. The last time they lost was uh, some time ago. Huh. Uh, they they had a couple close games. They took one to overtime. Uh, behind the, the scenes, a lot of NBA players declined this. It's it's not their A team yeah. going still, there. Still, we're supposed to win the basketball. Uh, but to also go lame. on the with the Stifle Tower nickname, they also had Frank Nitalikina, who because his last name kind of sounds like nicotine, people call him Frankie Smokes, which I like. That's <laughs> pretty good. We're, we're supposed to win the basketball thing. We just we should be better than everybody else at basketball. Trump should step in on this. Yeah, just, just for the record, yeah, the U.S. got beat by Australia August 23rd. 13 uh, was first loss in 13 years. Oh, maybe that was an FIBA. exhibition or yeah, something. Yeah, that, that seems to be maybe it was a 58 game win streak in the FIBA competition. Yeah, no, nobody cares. Um, but we're supposed to win those games. There's Marshall Phillips who does our news every day. How I'm are you, Trump. I'm doing very well. You know, it turns out today is National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Oh, there no, you go. Not. There you go. My kids no, will like to hear not. that. First, Although my kids will get no milkshake because they're being punished. More on that later. Oh, my. Oh, boy. First milkshake made in 1885. They were originally sold in bars and saloons because the original milkshakes were made out of whiskey, eggs, and cream. That Time sounds, to get back to those that days. That sounds delicious. And, boy, oh, my God. Like a little uh, chocolate. Hard eggnog. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Come on, that sounds awesome. I looked it up, man. It's easy to do. A cup of cold milk, three ounces whiskey, yeah, some malted milk powder, some chocolate ice cream, some ice. Put them in the blender. That'd be and so good. How come yeah. no, how what, come what's everybody else going to drink? Yeah. How come no old timey, uh, you know, themed bar is serving those? That sounds like something people would love. Oh yeah. Mm. And you get to charge like twelve dollars for them for all you sure. need. Or as a, a bartender friend of mine pointed out the other day. Give it a slightly fancier name and raise the price by three dollars. Mm. That's how it goes with drinks. Put it in a copper mug for some reason. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's yeah. just an old a fashioned copper mug. Yeah. That's it's so just, good. It's just an old fashioned, but you put a slice of orange on it and call it, you know, an orange jubilee or something. Right. It's our signature drink. And you got to uh, say, what was that place we went where they had? What did they call it? Hand crushed iced. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you got to have hand scooped ice cream. Oh, and, you know, yeah. And crushed ice. Whatever that means. Um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Thursday, September 12th, the year 2019. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Well, then, let's begin officially according to U.S. What? FCC rules and regulations. (laughs) I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. Uh, Here we go at Mark. The, The Trump voter, I don't think they are blind to trump's myriad flaws if you talk to them what they always say what they like about him is not politically correct you know he doesn't back down especially that thing about political correctness i I think we underestimate how much america has been choking on political correctness for 25 years bill maher absolutely correct on uh, msnbc this morning talking about the debate happening tonight and he's really worried that his side is going to lose to trump because they're throwing out crap like uh abortion rights for transgenders and free health care for illegal and that sort of stuff as their main issues right right good luck with that you know i was thinking uh, a similar thing he's right about the political correctness stuff particularly how high-handed and contemptuous the people who push that point of view are i mean they're just tough to take no matter what they're pushing and what they're pushing is nuts he also went on to say that it was after 9-11 that the right got him booted off of his show on abc but he said lately it's the left that tries to get him fired all the time Mm. interesting but the other thing was and uh, i was thinking about this as i flipped to msnbc the other reason people embrace trump in spite of all his flaws is it's that forceful a rejection of the policies that the left is pushing. I There are a fair number of people who think, you know, Trump's really, really hard to take. But from the judges to the immigration stuff, etc., I sure as hell like his policies better than, than the other people's. And, you know, the whole, I don't, I don't vote for a party. I just, I go candidate by candidate. You know, I remember thinking that as a kid and thinking that was admirable. But if you have one set of policies that's diametrically uh, opposed to the other one, you got to pick which set of policies you want, and just choke down the you know the personality, the person offering them. I think it's a much smarter way to vote. We got more on the debate coming up. Well, what are your headlines there, Marshall? Uh, Supreme Court handing the Trump administration a big win on immigration again. Dems debate Biden, Warren, Bernie, among others, facing off, and just announced this year's Toy Hall of Fame nominees. Fantastic. I swear uh, that happens every six weeks. Roughly. Uh, I've also figured out how Beto can win. I've figured out his path to the nomination. Wow, I want to hear that. Yes. Uh, how's mailbag look? Oh, it's very good. It includes uh, unasked for advice and harsh criticism. Oh, just, oh goody. Always like, always like both those things. Uh, all the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. I have... Okay, so like I was saying, I'm going to have a little bit of a thing here on social media because I think this is important. I have news about tonight's debate you're going to be so excited about. An inside scoop from a reporter. Stay tuned. Now I'm excited. Now I'm tuning in. Wow. Really? Stay tuned. Well, and and I have uh, Beto's path to the nomination. All right. I'm sorry uh, for the stray audio there. We were victimized by the Joe Getty principle of the web. Uh, I was the guy, the scientist, really, who discovered that the more conservative a website, the more impossible it is to use for reasons that I have no, I can't imagine why. Um, there are more pop-up videos. There are more would-you-like-to-subscribes. More ads. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, that is interesting. There's got to be a probably reason. because conservatives have money. And liberals are just hippies. And meth heads and tweakers. <laughs> hippies and meth heads. <laughs> and high school students. <laughs> and, and, and Trustafarian ne'er-do-wells. Everybody knows this. Perfect, Mailbag. Perfectly fair characters. All right, then. Here's a freedom-loving quote of the day uh, sent along by Rodney in the O.C., Came across this quote from Anthony Fisher. Anthony. Anthony. British businessman and think tank founder from the post-war period. And I quote, Communism is the poison of the people. Socialism is the cup in which it is given. And the welfare state is the tempting label on the bottle. Okay. So it's a, uh, it's a path. As a man who likes a good metaphor, he could have gone on and said, you know, uh, Unemployment insurance is the crushed ice that keeps the drink cool. and uh, you know, But he didn't. He stopped right there. Let's see. Uh, hey, quick question, writes Alex in the Great Northwest. The, the, here's where I'm going to play the clip, Michael. The clip you played in the last half hour of the show yesterday, uh, Joe Cunningham's wife, the congress lady, or the, uh, the hot <laughs> the congressman's hot wife who wants taxpayers to pay for her uh, marriage counseling and her personal uh, counseling sessions. Uh, was she getting spanked every 10 to 20 seconds throughout the video? I'm here on social media because I think this is important. I've just been going over my this is a not a bill, bill from Blue Cross Blue Shield. Stop and realizing that once again, all of my mental health therapy sessions are denied. In a- no, she's not being spanked. Although that's a funny question. Uh, No, her toddler was indeed playing in the same room, listening to mom rant on social media that her marriage counseling should be paid for by taxpayers. Isn't that charming? Moving along. Uh, Faggity Josh writes, that's friend of Armstrong and Getty over 10 years for uh, new, new friends of Armstrong and Getty. Once you achieve that, you're officially faggoty, and we send you oven mitts or or, uh, dish towels, whichever you prefer. Joseph, 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 how could you possibly think that Orange Whip was from Caddyshack and not the greatest movie ever to feature your sweet home Chicago, The Blues Brothers? You effing moron, you should be fired. You triggered my OCD of movie quotes. I demand an apology. Or we all make mistakes. Good day. I knew, Josh. I knew that at the time when you said it, but there was no point in jumping you in at that point. You should have corrected me. <clears throat> nah, it was know. an egregious error. There's no point in accuracy. I just sometimes, my hallmark is accuracy. It wasn't. It wasn't important to the point, and so just oh, sometimes. That's right. Bog, I had a point. Yeah. Sometimes you bog things down with stuff like it's that. It's a judgment just, call, isn't some, it? it? Sometimes is. the truth bogs things down. <laughs> that's, huh? You know what? You're, we're the conscience of America. You're really Positive good. Sean is the conscience of our show. You've been reading Joe Getty's Guide for Unfair Arguing. That's right. Well, that's they, really good. They released the audiobooks, and I <laughs> found it a lot easier sorry, to consume to, that way. I need to correct you. Joe Getty's Guide to Arguing Unfairly. <laughs> there you go. Orange 
orange whip. Uh, <laughs> that's right. What? And for a man of my vintage and hometown, it is a terrible error. Uh, what did uh, what was Rodney Dangerfield offering people uh, during Caddyshack? I thought he was offering a drink at some point. He says everybody's going to get laid at one point. Is that what you're talking about? And then he said, uh, he's asking, let's dance. And then they dance in the van. <laughs> you're right, though, Josh. Thank you for the correction. John Candy and all the police had shown up to the hall to watch the Blue Brothers and arrest him. But first, they were going to watch the show. Right. So they sit down in the booth. Orange whip? Orange whip? Who owns an orange whip? The great, the late, great John Candy. Who's just hilarious just sitting there. Right. The star of my favorite movie of all time, Hot to Trot. Watch it on Netflix tonight if you get a chance. It's just terrific. The one with the talking horse? (laughs) You've seen it. That sounds fun. Mark writes, uh, and Mark's, uh, well... Uh, the segment of the on the cousin burning down the houses because he's being denied incestuous relations were hilarious. The rest of the show sucked. Just being honest, <laughs> fellas. Mark, a fag for 20 years. You are touched. Never never write again, Mark. My wife and I were still talking about that in the kitchen last night. Oh, fantastic. My cousin wants to get, get with me. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, Scott, the teacher. He's actually, he's long been a teacher and been in touch with us. He's now an assistant principal. The most hated walk of life in America. He says, bring back Dominic asks a question, but change it to Michelangelo asks a question. Because oh, okay. Dominic suggests, has passed. If you were a girl with guy parts in a jail cell, would you rather have a cellmate that was a man that looked like Jennifer Aniston or a woman that looked like Brad Pitt? Just a, just a thought. Well, what? Good question. All right. I've got whatever. debate news. Stay tuned for debate news. So Andrew Yang is one of the ten on the debate stage tonight. He crowd surfed the other day at a uh, gathering he had, like he was Kurt Cobain in 1991. I remember when Richard Nixon would crowd surf occasionally in his Oxford shoes, his wingtips, his uh, yeah, suit. Andrew Yang's wearing a dress shirt and a jacket and the whole thing, and he's crowd surfing anyway. So this has just been reported by Sam Stein, who's a reporter I enjoy. Andrew Yang's campaign manager. Just called to tell me that at the debate, Yang will do, quote, something no presidential candidate has ever done before in history. Oh, yeah. He declined to go any further than that. Yes, please. Something, anything, entertain me, please. Andrew Yang is very low on Fs to give as far as, um, you know, what's appropriate or what's not. Right. He's already overperformed any sort of reasonable expectation that his campaign should have had. Yeah. So uh, that's exciting. He's going to try to make a little noise. Cool. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, along those lines, we got the 10 Democratic presidential candidates getting ready for tonight's three-hour debate in Houston. you got former Vice President Joe Biden. Three take- hours? Yes. Three? Yes. Erg. What? Yes. Those other debates were two, and they eat, they also had 10 candidates each. Right. And that seemed plenty long. Well, that's because think- there were two of them, Jack. Having a total of three hours this time around, they're doing you a favor. But no, that doesn't make any sense. It makes lots of sense. If they thought they could get through ten people in two hours before, why can't they get through ten people in two hours now? Because now's the time to really give them a chance to explain their brilliant and nuanced policies. Okay, show of hands, who got to the end of the last debates and thought, that just was not long enough? (laughs) I'm, I feel like I haven't seen enough. Well, there's, two, 
there was not enough time for any valid answers to be given. Oh, well, of course. So but, in an effort to to fix that, since they couldn't get it lower than 10, uh, I think they're just adding on more time so they get less of, okay, answer this complex issue. Okay, now right. shut up. Next person. <laughs> right. Well, that that's true, but oh, my God. Former Vice President Joe Biden takes center stage. He'll have Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren on either side of him. First time all three have been on the stage together on the I think, debate stage. I think Biden should walk out and uh, on Mike, look to his left and his right, to say, just nod to him, Lenin, Trotsky. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> Flanked by commies. Yes. Uh, look at this one. Just like it's a Moscow 1918 around here. Are you kidding me? Please. Uh, remains to be seen if and how much they will directly attack one another. Now, in another, everybody always hopes for that. It almost never happens, and when it does happen, it's insignificant. Right? It's insi- the biggest moments in debate history have meant nothing electorally. I knew Jack Kennedy. Ooh, what a blow way back in the day, and made no difference. That that's I lost, and nope. nobody cared. And it just you know, it's an exciting moment on television. It goes away. The Supreme Court has issued an order now allowing nationwide enforcement of a new Trump administration rule that would prevent most Central American migrants from automatically being able to claim asylum in the U.S. The rule prevents asylum claims from anybody who passes through another country on the way to the states without having sought asylum in that country. The first country rule is what it's called. Well, right, and it makes perfectly good sense. That's the rule, and so we're going to enforce it, like the rest of the world does. And it was a 7-2 ruling, correct, right. by mm-hmm. the Supreme right. Court. So it wasn't just a, a narrow 5-4, just the conservatives, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, obviously. Got the... <sighs> The idea that, that we can't say, whoa, well, you got to follow the rules. you got to do it way back there at that other border. You can't go through all those countries right. and get to our country. It's well-established tradition. But uh, part of the progressive point of view, and you see it most clearly illustrated in the idea of a living constitution that can be changed and rewritten as, as modern times demand it, is the idea that if, if laws don't make us feel good, we get to ignore them. You see it in sanctuary cities. There are a number of different examples. And uh, and it's refreshing when the court stands up and says, no, that's reasonable. These are rules. They're fine. So enforce it. I saw a montage last night of all the Democratic candidates that are going to be on the stage tonight. Having said in various places, debate stages and, you know, uh, uh, private rallies and that sort of stuff, talking about how illegals should get free health care. Go ahead tonight. Go big with that. Talk all night long about free health care for illegals. Good luck. With that message for a general election. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. It's insanity. You know what would be so enjoyable for me? Just one night. Maybe maybe when you know I'm, I'm on my deathbed, I can, I can beg the networks to do this. The Republicans put up year after year after year with the moderators for their debates being progressive journalists. Just because the big networks are almost entirely peopled by progressives. I would like to see one Democrat debate moderated by staunch conservatives who would put the questions from a conservative point of view. From the taxpayer's point of view. Right, exactly. From a budgetary point of view, although, let's face it, the Republicans have abandoned fiscal responsibility. But, yeah, say, you all said you would provide free health care for anyone who snuck into the country. The millions of people around America right now who are struggling to pay their health care bills, you you realize that'll make it even harder for them to pay their health care bills. How do you explain yourself? 
which is a perfectly reasonable question and 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 steeped in facts, but you'll never hear it. So I'll just go back to fantasizing about it. And the National Hall of Fame has just announced the 12 finalists for this year's induction. Included among them, the smartphone. Included because... Is that a toy? Yep. All the, the smartphone is in the Toy Hall of Fame. Yep, it's a toy. It's nominated, nominate one of the oh, final nominees. Oh, I see. How many? Uh, how many nominees are there? <laughs> 12, and will they debate? Twelve nominees. Right. Anyway, the Hall Across officials. Across two nights, <laughs> the Slinky will debate the Monopoly game. Hall officials said they've included the smartphone because it's a platform for mobile games and playful interactions. All right. <laughs> also, we've got the uh, the uh, coloring book. A coloring book. Care Bears, the Fisher Price Corn Popper. That's a good oh, one. Oh, are you kidding? The little thing you push around like a vacuum cleaner? I wouldn't let oh. my kids play with it because I was too busy playing with it. <laughs> Love it. This has been great for like 50 years. Uh, Jenga is included. Yes, played Jenga just the other night. I still have never been beaten at Jenga in my entire life. Wow. I am unbeatable at Jenga. Also, you've got Steady the, hand, you know. You've, you've got the card game Magic the Gathering. Masters of the Universe action figures, matchbox cars. Oh, please. That ought to be in the front hall yeah, of the how's Toy it, Hall How did it take this long? My kids play with matchbox cars every day. The other nominees, My Little Pony, a Nerf Blaster, Risk, and the Humble Top. So they nominated every toy anybody's ever heard of. Okay. I, you know, I played Risk as a kid with my uh, very, very intelligent, uh, slightly older neighbor boy friend. Um, he wasn't my boyfriend. He was a boy. He was yes. a, friend. a friend. Well, we yes. experimented. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. And it, I was kind of befuddled and bored by it. So my son and I went right. back so to So you it. started kissing. It's <laughs> <laughs> not correct, sir. Not correct. Uh, so uh, I went back to it as an adult with my son and I believe one of my daughters and um, found it somewhat more interesting, but very, very yes. slow It is a slow, those, slow game. Those games that were designed for when there was no TV. Right. Uh, well, in short, no other entertainment. Nothing they else to do. just have a different, <laughs> sure. uh, different pace. I, I like the idea of taking over the world and dominating it. God knows, that's right up my alley. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just too, boy, too slow. What about Mr. Woodchipper? That's not on there? No. Oh, no I'm the sorry. child's first woodchipper. <laughs> there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Didn't get to this yesterday. George Soros is a, is a name that uh, people on the right threw out. As a, the, he's the scary guy behind the scenes that's ruining America. Uh, super rich liberal. He finances is, a lot of lefty causes. Yes, he has uh, praise for Donald Trump in one particular area and is really excited about it and wrote an op-ed piece about it that could be politically important. How interesting! Yeah, that among other things. Well, yeah, including Beto's road to the nomination. I, this is I figured it out. And someone else's car <laughs> sounds pretty surprising. <laughs> oh no! On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Strong and Getty Show. Debate tonight. A couple of nuggets to hit you with uh, throughout the day, but really the exciting talk will be tomorrow, and we'll have the clips and analysis for you. Either, I think it's unlikely you're going to watch uh, all three hours of it or take in the echo chamber, and I'm, for whatever reason, going to fall on my sword and do that, so 
We'll have the analysis for you tomorrow. You and inmates will watch the entire thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. So, yes. Let me let me explain Bateau's path to the nomination. Okay. First of all, Bateau has come increasingly unhinged. Well, Bill Maher uh, criticized Beto this morning without naming him, but he talked about these Democratic candidates that run around the country apologizing. People don't want somebody weak who feels like they're ashamed of being themselves. Exactly. He's talking about Beto. Beto is has become the ashamed of being white, woke, bro candidate. And so he runs around just being ashamed of being white and being male and apologizing for it. It's a pathetic, pathetic display. And the other aspect of his candidacy is that he is, and this would make a nice drinking game tonight whenever anybody does this, he's calling more and more things a right. You know, uh, uh, healthcare is a right, okay? A lot of people have that point of view. Housing is a right. Now, Beto's saying housing near your work is a right, you have a right to a short commute, which is, uh, I mean, aside from abusing the hell out of the concept of a right, which is very, very important, um, it's just bizarre, his notion of what taxpayers ought to pay for for each other. But his candidacy, he's dreamy, he's the man who's not masculine, he is the socialist, he is the ashamed of being white, woke Bro, who is that going to appeal to? Sophomore college girls. So I've done a fair amount of mathematics I'd like to share with you. There are almost exactly 20 million college students in the United States. 56% of them are young women. That's 13 million. Roughly a quarter of those, so sophomore girls, is 3.25. Ah, but... Between dropouts and early graduations, there are far more sophomores than seniors, so we move that to the sophomore column, giving us 4.25 million sophomore girls in America. That's not nearly enough votes. There there were 16.9 million votes cast for Hillary Clinton in the primaries. Won't work. But wait! Wait! What about if Bateau simply won Iowa? And took that momentum into New Hampshire. Well, now we're talking. There are 153,000 college students in Iowa performing the same mathematics. Roughly 45,000 of them are women, etc. Break it down. There are enough college sophomore because there were only 172,000 caucus votes cast total last time through. There are enough college sophomore girls. If every single one of them turns out and votes for Bateau, he can win Mm. and take that to New Hampshire and stick it right in Bernie's face. I can't say stick it in Elizabeth's face because that sounds obscene and disgusting and like something Antonio Davis might do. Oh, my God. Allegedly. Antonio Brown. Uh, Antonio Brown, football star. Um, uh, Alleged rapist. And, And pleasurer of self on women when they're not looking. Allegedly. I communicate regularly with a, uh, I think she's a junior in college now. As do I. Uh, but uh, she thinks Beto's a joke. It's just well, embarrassing. She, she, I don't he's know how lost I, one. Does she know. live in Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time uh, reading, watching, and listening to podcasts and stuff about China. I'm just fascinated by China. 
And the world should be most populous country on earth. Did you know that? And the world should be fascinated by China because they 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 have all the uh, they got everything in place to take over the world. China Um, is asshole. Yeah, that too. Huh? Uh, And we're talking the other day about how their military in many ways is now a peer of ours and uh, a variety of different things. But so they've been, you know, my favorite China stat. They have a thousand cities with a million people or more. Yeah, what they are is a they're they're a better Soviet Union. So we spent decades so focused on the Soviet Union. They're way better at being the Soviet Union. Every bit is scary, but for some reason, because we make money off of them, nobody, right. nobody cares. Yeah. And, and, and tourism and the rest of it. And the Soviet Union, Khrushchev famously said uh, when he was running the Soviet Union, we will sell you the rope that you will hang yourself with. Well, that never happened. They, they couldn't get their economy going. We didn't buy anything from China will sell us the rope we'll hang ourselves with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're working on that right now. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, so and part of the reason is so we financed their rise. And it started during the Cold War. We're, we're scared of the Soviet Union. We need China on our side because if they get together with Russia, it's a big problem. So, we, so we're so we all for funding China with what the now is now believed to be naive and wrong idea that if we fund their rise, they'll they'll open up and become a democracy like us and realize this is the way to, to operate in the world and we'll get them on our side, Western Western world side. Right. Didn't work that way. Not um, really. It, it it worked to some extent financially, but certainly not politically. So after funding their rise, we'd like to change the rules a little bit so we don't get to continue funding uh, your uh, your increasing rise to where you dominate the world. Right. And Trump's trying to do that with his trade war. In a Wall Street Journal op-ed yesterday, liberal billionaire George Soros, and if you watch Fox News or listen to Glenn Beck or Tucker Carlson or anybody, you've heard George Soros' name. Bill O'Reilly used to mention George Soros every show Yeah, um, as the uh, as the scary guy behind the scenes that's running liberal politics and, and donating all the money and going to ruin America. Uh, he offered praise for President Trump and his policies around China in his op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal. Um, I'll skip to some of the lines. Uh, Soros called Trump's policy on China coherent and genuinely bipartisan, as well as the greatest foreign policy accomplishment of the Trump administration. His only concern is that uh, Trump doesn't take it clear to the end. Soros called China a dangerous rival in artificial intelligence and machine learning, among all the other things that they're doing, stealing technology and everything else like that. Right. And uh, and really praises Trump and hopes he'll stay with us. So I'm I'm hoping that sort of political cover helps Trump. Um, if he has cover from the right and left, maybe he can actually pull this off. If he doesn't do it, it'll never happen. There'll never be a president that has the guts to do this. I think you're probably right. What's interesting is, and I wonder if this will come up on the debate stage tonight. You listen to all the Democratic candidates, and if you ask them about the tariffs and the trade wars, blah, blah, blah. The the most harsh criticism you get is uh, one of method, one of, you know, the way he's doing it. They don't dare say he's wrong because he's not wrong. And, you know, honestly, I am I think he's doing the right thing. I'm not sure he's doing it in exactly the right way. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, yeah the left can't criticize him for that. They try in very harsh terms. Uh, well, they try, but they don't. I was listening not to really. this. Harvard professor yesterday on a podcast. He's one of the founders of the Kennedy School of Government, and he said it. Uh, it was it was just a known law of uh, understanding China for decades in D.C. He was a pretty cynical guy, which I really enjoyed. 
because uh, he's old. Um, old if, being old if, will make you cynical. If you're not, you're a fool. And and he <laughs> said it was just it was just a belief. Everybody agreed, and if you you wouldn't dare say the opposite that you know we're gonna we're gonna help China rise. We're gonna get them in our sphere. They'll come our direction. They'll want to be like us. And now it's just a known. You dare not say the opposite that they haven't, and it was a mistake. And right. you point fingers at the other people who had been saying that all the years and act like they were dumb. Yes, um, I love that. But he made the point that. I love people who are old enough they don't give a crap anymore. <laughs> China only needs to get to each of their workers having a quarter of our GDP worker, our productivity, to okay. match us because they got four times as many people. So with four times as many people, if their workers produce a quarter as much as American workers do, they would be equal with us. He said, they're smart, hardworking people. They will do that at some point. He said, it's not unreasonable to think that they will produce half as much as American workers. If Chinese workers produce half as much as American workers individually for GDP... People in the room, not to include it in that. They will, product, they will have runner. twice the GDP of the United States. And right. he said it's not unreasonable to suggest that they would then be able to have twice the military budget of the United States. And we've had... <laughs> our whole lives, we've had a military budget that is... All other countries added together, more right. or less. Yep. And China could have twice what we've got. Did he have a timetable in mind? No. I I'm, didn't hear that. I'm sure he was looking, you know, down the road. Yeah, sure. He's not talking about next March. No, he's talking decades. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> next March. <laughs> well, world keeps spinning, man. Yeah. Change. Change. It's but, the only constant. But that's why we got to do the trade deal thing and get things more on an even playing field so we don't hurry it along. Them being able to dominate us economically. Make it so easy for them to get there. Yeah. Yeah, well, amen to that. We've been subsidizing them like they're a college freshman, uh, you know, son of ours. They're now making $300,000 a year. we got to quit subsidizing them. That's a good one.